Hello and welcome to Screen Daily's very first podcast from the US, where recently we pulled out our winter wear and flew into the snowy embrace of Park City in Utah for a special edition of the pod from Sundance Film Festival 2020. I'm America's editor Jeremy Kay, and today we're going to hear from four directors from the prestigious World Cinema Dramatic Competition section. My Muna Ducure from France with Cuties, Fernanda Baladez from Mexico with Identifying Features, Vizar Marina from Germany with Exil, and Anil Karia from the UK with Surge. While each film deals with the notions of belonging and making connections, they do so in dramatically different ways. We asked the filmmakers what drove them to tell their stories, how they put them together, and the kind of support filmmakers receive in their respective countries. But first, let's hear from each of our guests on what their film is about. Yeah, Cutis is about an um, 11 year old little girl who meets a group of dancers called Cuties. Fascinated, she initiates herself to a sensual dance, hoping to join her, their band and uh, escape uh, family dysfunction. Thank you. Who wants to go next? Anyway. Right, you will, Fernanda. I'm Fernanda Valadez. Uh, my film is called Identifying Features. And it's um, a road trip and kind of a thriller. It's the story of a mother that makes a journey to find her, her missing son who went missing on his way to the border with the US. Thank you. Uh, my name's Anil Correa and I made uh, Surge, which is a, um, a film about a young man who lives in London, living a very um, kind of tightly wound, monotonous kind of existence, um, a very kind of numb, emotionally devoid existence, I suppose, who, after a series of circumstances kind of come together, begins kind of dismantling that life and going on a journey of kind of, well, self-destruction in a physical sense, but kind of self-liberation in a, in a more emotional sense. And it t- it's set over 48 hours and it takes him on this kind of wild, slightly uh, insane journey through <laughs> through the city. That's for sure, yeah. <laughs> My name is Jusar Marina and um, with the next time it's actually about a middle-aged man walking in a very big company and waiting for a meeting and nobody appears and at some point he gets out and turns out the meeting takes place in another space and uh, he's the only one who didn't get, um, who didn't know it and the guy who was in charge for uh, telling everybody says oh I sent to any of you an email and maybe you should check the emails. Uh, your settings and when he gets home he finds a dead rat hanging on his door and um, at some point he um, thinks that his colleagues are trying to get rid of him and since he's a foreigner in Germany um, he assumes that all his colleagues are racist and the film is actually basically about how to read behaviors of others yeah, 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 and so I want to um, get an idea from each of you about what made you want to tell these stories. So, Visa, why don't you keep on going and tell us why this story? Why did you want to tell this story? I mean, I am I am a foreigner myself in Germany. I've been living there for a very long time, and uh, there are, there were actually m- many different things. For example, it depends if I go with my parents to a restaurant or if I go with uh, friends to a restaurant. When um, when I go with my parents and it might happen that um, they are not that nice to us one of the first things 
it's in my mind, oh, maybe maybe they see my parents as foreigners and that's why they are treating. So, and, uh, and maybe they just had a bad day or maybe it's her usual procedure to be shitty to the customers. So um, this is one thing that is quite interesting to me. The other thing is, um, to be honest, I, I didn't have a script. I had just a mood and atmosphere and um, I wrote it down and I had some, some images and um, I think uh, for me, I mean, the, the story for me is very much, or the film for me is very much how to, how to enter a group and how, how I behave within a group and how do I read the group. And I think you don't have to be a um, foreigner to get sometimes insecure about it. Yeah. And, um, and I think this is, you know, everybody's dealing with depending in which in what situation he is yes and you were born just tell us where you were born. i was i was born in kosovo mm -hmm. and when i was 15 we we left kosovo this was during the milosevic era and um, this was by the end of 94 and since then i've been living in germany yeah right so, thank you mm. fernando why don't you tell us about uh, identifying features and you had made a short film before hadn't you yes yeah around 2012 2013 in Mexico, we're receiving a lot of news about violence that really changed the perception of the country I was I was born in. Um, a lot of shallow graves began appearing. A lot of uh, people was displaced, and uh, a lot of killings, basically. So I wanted to understand a little bit why it was very sudden. It was like one day we woke up in a country where many people were disappearing and dying. So I made this short film about uh, a mother looking for her son. And I believe I, I chose the story of a mother because it was my way to, to approach a reality that was very harsh and I felt close to, to the feeling of motherhood, even I don't, I don't have children, but I believe it's very easy to, to understand and, and to relate to that you will look for someone no matter what. So I began from there and I imagined this road trip where, where she would find uh, challenges um, until she um, found um, what she was looking for. And Maimuna, tell us about the inspiration for Cuties. You know Cuties is about this 11 year old little girl who is torn between two different cultures and uh, it was inspired by my own life because I grew up in a polygamous family in France with uh, two mothers, uh, ten brothers and sisters um, in uh, a poor neighborhood in Paris. And um, actually, <laughs> it's a little bit funny because uh, when, I, when I was a kid, my biggest dream was to be a boy uh, because I saw so many injustices around me and um, I felt that be a boy could bring me a better life and easier life, uh, but I'm fine now <laughs> to be a woman. Um, and one day I was in a neighborhood uh, gathering and uh, there were a lot of shows, a lot of public from the neighborhood and at a moment a group of dancers came on the stage and danced. It was very... Spectacular, fascinating, but at the same time it was disturbing because uh, 
they were dancing very sensually, very sexy, with the clothes very short, and they were only 11 years old. And in the public, there were also uh, a lot of mothers uh, with, uh, you know, traditional culture and the Muslim culture with the veil, for example. And that day I attended literally at a um, cultural shock. And um, I decided to figure out uh, why uh, these little girls are dancing like that and what does it mean for, for them if they're uh, um, and understand why, you know, the kind of um, sexual disponibility they are giving to the audience. And uh, during one year, one year and a half, I met a lot of uh, little girls. It, it was in the street, in park, in school, to speak with them and uh, take their stories about how they are growing up as. A, woman and um, all of that helps me to to uh, write me uh, cuties and the girls in cuties are also meant to be about 11 years old or yeah they they um, at the moment of the shooting they were 11 or 12 years old yes but uh, yeah. and how did you find those girls um, actually they have never acted before. It was uh, their first time uh, acting in the movie, and uh, I made a wild casting. Uh, we saw almost 700 little girls to find her, them, and uh, for I just uh, fall in love <laughs> with them, and, uh, and and I'm really happy because. Uh, you know, the, the casting for me is the most important um, when you're making a, a movie. Sure. And were those girls also part of dance groups or...? Um, yes, most of them used to dance, not like on the movie. <laughs> Oof! <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they, they were dancing before and uh, we took a choreographer to help them and at the same time for the movie because it's very sensual dance, you know. We had um, a lot of conversation to understand why we are doing this movie together and uh, because uh, it's also their implication uh, to this uh, political movement in this movie to, to denounce something. We also had a psychologue on the set Yes. Who are helping me? Who was helping me uh, to really speak with the little girl and understand all about this uh, process? Ah, interesting. So you were protecting them as well. Sorry. You, you were looking after the girls, of course. You were making sure that they were comfortable and they were safe. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. The most important is uh, I used to tell them the most important is the real life. <laughs> we are making a movie that's very great and beautiful but the most important it is them so my I was um, yeah trying to take care of them and Anil tell us about uh, your movie was, was this inspired by uh, an earlier short film that you had made yeah loosely yeah I mean so the feature isn't a feature of the short I guess technically but it was uh, a bit a larger exploration of this of similar themes I suppose so yeah several years ago I made a short film called beat also with uh, Ben Wisher, who's the lead actor in Surge. And it was about somebody, I guess, 
operating on the fringes of what's considered acceptable or normal or healthy behaviour, particularly in how they use the, their body. And he's also moving through London, and it's, it's kind of meant to be walking a fine line between whether he is well or unwell and kind of challenging the kind of somewhat binary attitudes we have towards what is normal and what is abnormal, I suppose, in, in terms of behaviour. And yeah, that I've, I found I enjoyed that experience of making that film, and uh, and I wanted uh, to start working on a feature which um, which built upon those themes. I suppose uh, I've lived in a city for a long time, specifically London, and uh, I'm interested in how urban existence—not just urban existence, kind of modern existence in general—but particularly uh, life in a city can kind of assault you, kind of economically, politically, but also kind of sonically, even architecturally, you know, like I, I think modern existence can be quite brutalizing these days and um, I think because of that a lot of us are kind of uh, going through life with this kind of glazed kind of um, numbness I suppose, experiencing a very kind of surface existence, you know, it, I, I suppose I'm saying that there is a, we've created a kind of system which which um, uh, discourages a kind of deeper experience of life yeah. and just keeps us kind of droning through, I suppose. So, yeah, complicated themes, but I wanted to explore them somewhat. And, uh, and so, yeah, I set about um, finding, you know, first in treatment form before I started collaborating with uh, a writer, but I, in treatment form started figuring out the story about a um, man for whom, obviously it's a film so I, I kind of heightened things a bit, for whom this kind of numbness is almost a cracking point and, and went from there. And I also wanted to make a very physical kind of kinetic film like the short was and a film which captured London how I experience it. Um, I think probably the same with Paris and Mexico and other cities. Um, uh, I think you often see kind of stock versions of cities, you know, kind of go-to versions, um, which, uh, convenient versions, I suppose, which kind of um, paint one picture, but uh, possibly aren't replicative of how you experience that city, and I wanted to try and capture the reality of that, that place, um, so it's kind of, I know it's a bit trite, but it's kind of a character as well. And I wanted to ask each of you, my moon has already touched on this, how you got your cast. I mean, you say, Anil, that you worked with Ben on your short. How did you two get to work together? In the context of the short, it, it was just uh, luck, really. I, uh, I had seen him in... Uh, he was just starting to be somewhat prevalent on, on British television and things, and in theatre, and I'd seen him perform, and I, uh, I thought he could would be perfect to capture this restless kind of energy um, and I felt like he was a very physical performer and obviously very talented uh, in many ways as an actor and so I, I we had a friend of, of, a fr of a friend kind of in common and um, I sent him a treatment and this was without knowing him well at all and said you know we'd love you to consider making a short if you respond to it and luckily for us uh, for, for me and us, he, d he did, he really responded to it and was kind of up for it and uh, he had a little bit of availability so we made it happen and um, and from then we, we became friends actually and uh, I think we both really responded to the experience of making this short so I uh, wanted to and, w and were curious in this theme and felt like it 
was worthy of a deeper exploration, I suppose. And uh, so it was a nice, really nice project in that sense because, you know, me and the lead were able to have conversations from its more embryonic stages right up until it's... Um, and, and there was no kind of... Um, it wasn't a case of, you know, getting the script to the perfect state and then sending it. It was more... Uh, it's more collaborative, I guess. Yeah. In terms of the other cast, I mean, it's quite a large cast because he mm. keeps moving through the city and keeps experiencing different people. Um, so there is no enormous uh, secondary role, but there are many important small roles. And so that was, uh, you know, uh, just a, a long process of, um, of casting with casting director Lara Mannering. And um, uh, yeah, you know, it was it was a tough one because they weren't. In, in every case, the, the largest or, uh, part, you know, so you're trying to attract the best people possible, even though these were small parts. But I think there was hopefully something about the kind of distinctiveness and strangeness of these scenes that people came into that was attractive. Absolutely, they were. And I'm just curious, when you initially got Ben Wishaw, of course, is a, is a big deal, as we now know. Where were you at that stage of your career? Had you made another short before, or what had you done? No, I was I was really really early in my career. Um, Beat the short film I talked about was the first short film I made. Um, it just so happened that it was probably the most um, from my heart kind of you know film, the least academic exercise in filmmaking, and the more just feeling exercise. Um, and uh, no, it was the first thing I'd done. I'd been making some uh, very, very mediocre kind of commercials and uh, short form content. And uh, I remember I got to a point where I just wanted to, you know, make something for myself that felt truly kind of from me. And uh, in fact, it was made for very little, but I used some own money of mine that I'd saved. And uh, because there was this catch-22 situation with making short films, you know, where I hadn't made one, so it was difficult to get the money to make one, kind of thing. So right. I made that one uh, myself, and then, so yeah, early days for me. But I think there was just a trust uh, from Ben, which was nice. Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. And then talking about casting, Fernanda, tell us about your cast. You have Mercedes Hernandez, mm -hmm. who was in your short film as well. Tell yeah. us about her, because she's well known in Mexico, isn't she? Yeah, she's she's well known. She had had some uh, secondary roles in a couple of films. She made the violin that was in, in Cannes uh, some years back, so I had a picture, an idea of her. And also she's a very well-regarded um, storyteller and, and, and a public performer, I mean, in, in, like in parks and places. And so she's very versatile and I really wanted to, to work with her because I, uh, since the short, the idea of making a mix of um, professional actors and natural actors and I believe that she would be um, an asset towards that objective because she was so uh, spontaneous and, and she had this uh, capability of being in the moment and so she she said yes and and I was very happy and and I began from there. I also, in the short, had David Yescas. He's also very well regarded in Mexico because, besides being a, a very talented actor, he's the first uh, Zapoteco with a college degree. So he's really, truly a, a remarkable young man. And he comes from a, an indigenous community in Oaxaca. And it's really strange how 
he saw a play in his community and then he decided he wanted to become an actor even though acting um, I believe in in his environment wasn't such a, a feasible uh, career but then he he made it to Mexico City and was accepted in one of the most demanding acting schools so uh, those two and um, were my my basic cast uh, in the short and then I, I was sure I wanted to to work with them again yes. in, in the future. And you, you used a word I haven't heard before, forgive me, but uh, when you described the young man with the first to get a college degree, Zapoteco. Zapoteco. It's one of the most um, important ethnic minorities mm. in, in, in Mexico. Right, great, yeah. And then, Lisa, tell us about your cast. Then you have Sandra Hula, of course, and I'd like to hear from you how you got her, but also your lead actor uh, mm -hmm. playing Jaffer. Right, as, as Sandra Hula is actually for years very known in, in, um, in Germany, and uh, she did um, a film, Requiem, by Hans Christian Schmidt, yeah. and um, yeah, it was like in 2004 or something, and, um, and I admired her all the time, really, like hell. And um, and uh, by uh, while I was writing the script, I had actually two names in my in my head, and it was Os Rainer Bock, and I wrote both of them, and um, um, it took me quite a while to to uh, write this email for Sandra, and then uh, we met, and she said yes. So, and the main part it was a little bit difficult uh, because uh, we it was clear we needed a very good actor, and we needed an actor that uh, it's not German and an actor. And um, and he had to speak very well German, so and it was necessary that he speaks well German so that we don't think his misunderstandings with the colleagues are not because of the language. Yeah. So and um, and uh, but luckily we um, I mean to be honest we I sent Michel the script first the first time and he said no and everybody else was really crazy to do the film. I had sometimes, uh, or at least I had one call from an actor, he said actually he's, um, he had a contract with another project, but if I say yes, he will try everything <laughs> to get out of it. So, and then I called the agent of, of Michelle, and I asked her, you know, I'm really curious to know why he doesn't want to do that. Uh, that. And so, uh, and we had a very nice chat, and she, she um, sent the script to him again. And now it's a running game between us. So and Mich Michel is um, is I mean he is very experienced and and uh, he did a lot of um, you know uh, so and but and and then we did a we did audition with Sandra and him and um, uh, they meshed very very well together. But uh, honestly, I was really I uh, was very lucky with the with the cast and. Um, um, I love them all. <laughs> yes, and it shows. And where was Michelle born? Michelle, Michelle is, bo is born in, in um, Berlin. His parents are from Croatia. And uh, so. And how, and long, how long did it take you to write that email to uh, Sandra? To get uh, 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 I, uh, one week. I mean, all day. Seriously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Every day. Uh, really. really. <laughs> how long was it? No, it was, um, I mean, or maybe two pages. Okay. But you know, it's, it's just redrafting. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really making sure that uh, so and and uh, you know, my producers they worked with her. They did Tony Erdmann, mm. oh, right, yeah. and and I asked uh, my producer if she can 
I, I told her I'm gonna write the email and ask her to forward it. And then, and then it took me longer and longer till, till she got it. When I stuck with the thing, then it's very painful not to get it. Mm. And I knew it, 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 I really wanted her. Yeah, and I'm very good. glad uh, having her. And also the part was, um, was uh, a bit difficult. I wanted her, I, I think it's very necessary that she's a very strong person. Mm. And that they are at the same level. Yes. Also because we tell all the film uh, from the point of view of of, um, of the man, and uh, so. <coughs> yeah. And then you mentioned the production company, mm -hmm. uh, Complizen mm -hmm. Film. So I want to ask all of you now how you got the, the various production companies and how you got the help to make the film. How did you get Complizen? It's a huge company. Did your first film, Babai, yeah. which earned you the Best Director Award at Carlo Vivaro, mm -hmm. did this help you? Uh, to be honest, you know, completes and work with with uh, with people I really admire. Mm. So and and I, I I saw the first film by Maren Ade, The um, Wald for Lauter Bäume. It was shown in Sundance, and um, and um, I love this film. And since then, I knew I, I want I want to get uh, to get in touch with the company. And then they did um, Schlafkrankheit by Ulrich Göller. I think this is one of the best German films made in the last years and so I, I really wanted them and um, and then where I asked them to read my first uh, feature and so we got in touch and in the end they didn't do it but since then we were you know we were in touch and uh, and after after my first feature was finished we actually said we're gonna do the next one right. and and uh, then I sent them like an expose and the company is, is uh, Maun and Janine, they, they made the company. Uh, they are very much driven by the idea of helping the filmmaker. It's very helpful for me having somebody who is, um, understands the needs you have and, and don't, don't bullshit so much. And if we agree on things, you can be sure things will happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm very lucky having them. So they're true to their word. They say it and they'll do it. Yes, and yeah. you know it was you know it it took me very a, a long time to edit the film, and during the the mixing, I wanted to make small changes, and I was a pain in the ass, but they say always oh, yes, do it. So, and did they? Um, I'm curious to know how the film was funded. Did they? Well, do uh, that? No, they, they did. Uh, the, the funding went actually very well. I think they managed to to finance the film in within three months or four months. To be honest, in, in we, we, the shooting took place in 2018, and I think in February or March we don't we didn't have any money, and like three or four months later we had like two co-productions and everything. And you had your co-production partners were from Belgium uh, and my, 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 uh, um, uh, we had it's a Belgium and Kosovo. Yes. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. My Muna, just mm. tell us a little bit about how you got the money to make cuties? Actually, first of all, I, I've made a short film called Maman, Mothers in English, who uh, has been here in Sundance yes. and won the inter international prize here, uh, won at, as well at Toronto and the Oscar, the French Oscar, sorry, the, the César. And that, I can say, uh, helps me a lot because the movie went in 200 uh, festivals around the world. It was very huge and I know that everybody was uh, waiting for my my f script about my theater film. So that helps me a lot to uh, win time about the founding of my theater film. 
but um, I really work a lot on the script during uh, almost two years with um, three collaborators and uh, I, I work very hard on the script because I know of course the most important is the script you know in France everything is uh, the founding is on the script and it de depends on the script the script sorry and um, I knew even they were waiting for my my work if the script is not good of course uh, they won't say they will say uh, no so I, uh, I work a lot about and um, it was a little bit similar than you because um, we were in January I was uh, pregnant eight months pregnant and uh, at the same time we had nothing no funding and I speak with my producer and tell him I want to shoot the movie this summer and he say to me how it could be possible we don't have money we have just a script and you are pregnant as well so <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> you're maybe gonna come in um, less than one month how could we do and I say I believe we can do it do it if you believe everybody will believe and we're gonna do it and so I convinc convinc convinced yes. convinced him and uh, and we found 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 things a film in uh, three months wow. And uh, I was with my baby, uh, working even in the hospital. And <laughs> <laughs> when, of course, I was waiting when she, uh, where when she was uh, sleeping, of course. But um, and I went with my baby, uh, a weak baby with a lot of uh, meetings, uh, giving her milk <laughs> in a distributor or Chanel's. Uh, uh, and how, how old was it? It was very, the, very the, the, crazy. When you started the shooting? Sorry? How old was your Ah, When I started the shooting, because she, she, she was born in uh, February and we shoot the movie in August. Okay. Yeah. And this is 2018, 2019. Which year? Uh, the shooting was in 2018. Yeah. Yes. But it's, it was very crazy and I used to say I was with a baby in my first end and with a camera with my second end and I made it. <laughs> I'm very, I can say I'm proud of myself. As a woman, yeah, of course we can do everything. <laughs> There's no excuse for anybody. <laughs> and, and, and where did the, uh, the funding come from in the end? I know Back are your Back is a distributor mm -hmm. of the film, so he's gonna release the film in uh, theaters, mm. all the theaters in France. We've got also um, France Télévisions, uh, Canal Plus, Ciné Plus, um, La Région Aquitaine, Région Île-de-France, uh, Procirep Angoa, and uh, I'm trying to don't forget. So. And of course, uh, the film um, was bought uh, by Netflix for the international rights. Yes. So we we also have uh, Netflix uh, as partners yes. on the movie. And did Netflix buy the rights after you had shot the movie? Uh, no, after. After, after yeah, the yeah. production was finished. Yeah, yeah. Great. They okay. saw the movie and they say, we want it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Fernanda, tell us a bit about funding in Mexico, the money. Uh, in Mexico, the thing is that we don't have an internal market. And I'm gonna get a little bit uh, specific perhaps, but we are so near Hollywood that um, it's been really difficult to compete with Hollywood cinema and 
we Mexicans are, this, depending on the year, the second or third consumers of American films. So a small film like mine, for example, would have to compete with Avengers and Toy Stories in, in theaters, and that's, that's very harsh. And since we don't have a lot of protection rules that um, can level the ground a little bit, then we don't have the possibility of revenues in Mexico. So we completely depend on public funding and we we prepare an application. I have a, a production company and partners with Astro Rondero, who is also the, the co-writer. So uh, we at some point decided that we would be on our own producers because since there are no private investors, then it's a matter of applying to film funds and I mean you don't need many people to, to do that and we've been gaining experience. And we were fortunate to to have a fund, but it was cut in half. Um, when we made the application, it said an amount of money, and then it was reduced in half. So the film was written for that uh, estimated budget, and and when we got half, and we were trying to to complete the budget, but it was uh, a difficult time in Mexico. We had a, a difficult presidency with uh, a lot of. Um, censorship actually so at some point we were at risk of losing that uh, it wasn't a big amount of money but we were at, re at risk of losing that money if we didn't execute it and so we decided to just shoot the film with what we had and so we had to make another production scheme very very light um, with very few people but uh, we completed with in-kind contributions and um, equipment and that kind of stuff. So we, we shot, we didn't have any money for post-production and then we began applying to post-production funds and we got lucky to be accepted at Cine Construction in San Sebastián. So that made it easier to, get, to gain further post-production money and so we finally completed the budget. So you had to change your production schedule a little bit when you lost some of that funding yeah. yes and did you have to change the script much at all yes the script and the idea of how i wanted to to shoot that film because um, it's a road movie and and we had some not exactly action scenes but um, shots and and some special effects and so we had to be very meticulous about what was going to be in the frame and what and what we really didn't need so we could afford it so we decided to well first we make like an exploratory exercise to find out if we could make this film with five people the half of of the time so we shot at the end of 2017 some scenes just to to make sure we would we could pull it off and then we decided we could we saw the material and, and, and we liked it and so we rescheduled for mid-2018 a little bit and then to the end of 2018 yes right and um, before we go on to Anil I want to ask you given the subject of the movie did you ever feel that you were in danger you or the production was there any risk to you telling the story and where you were shooting it it was weird because I went to my hometown to, to shoot the movie because I felt safe in Guanajuato. And it's a, a state that expels a lot of migrants every year. Um, 
and also it's a state that has a lot of landscapes and in a mile in uh, in, a, in in an area of 20 20 miles radius we find all our locations except for the border we did go to to the border between Mexico and the US but it was really contained in space and I felt safe but I was really not aware that um, my hometown was becoming really dangerous and as for today the state is number one in killings and disappearances in Mexico so I was only kind of protected by my idea because I knew these places but then at some point in the shooting at in the last stage I wanted one of the art assistants to go pick up the prop weapons in a nearby town it was around 5 p.m. I mean it wasn't that late and he refused and I was a little bit adamant but we need them for tomorrow morning the props have, have to be here at 7 a.m. you better go now and he began crying and he quit and he said I won't I won't put my, my life at risk for for your film and then it hit me like I really didn't didn't have an idea of how different this place was But besides, other than that, uh, it was safe through production. Yeah, we went through production. We had uh, some encounters, like uh, there's a, a term in Spanish called halcones, hawks, really young people that are hired as um, um, small distributors of drugs or uh, collecting money or um, just making sure another band is not coming into your territory. And we realized that we were uh, transiting uh, through the place where they would meet every day at night. So it, it wasn't, I mean, they, they, we were okay, nothing really happened, and just we kind of uh, made sure that they knew that we were making a film, and we were women. Also, I, I ironically, I believe that made us safe, because they never suspected that we were there uh, with another business because we were, we were women, and so yeah. And you had a lot of women as heads of production, your cinematographer yeah. uh, as a woman, your producer, yes, yeah. a lot of women in, on the production. Yeah, well, uh, at that time we only had one, one man, the, the sound recordist. Okay. Right. He's very rare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you'll tell us a bit how you touched on it, but the, the, how you got the funding together for your feature. Yeah, well, once... Uh, I talked about kind of writing a treatment for this feature. Once I had that, that in a state I was relatively content with, I, I went and met several producers in, in London. It's kind of like a small world there in a nice way. And, you know, some were kind of um, individual producers, some were smaller companies. And uh, I, I ended up um, working with Rook's Nest Films. Um, I think, thinking back, they actually grilled me the hardest on the on the film and asked me the most difficult questions and s seemed the most negative actually and I walked away thinking oh that was harsh but um, but then they were interested and I for some reason that that felt like the right thing you know yeah. um, so so that happened uh, in the early stages we had development money from Creative England um, and that was when the script began with uh, one writer we ended up collaborating with two in the end um, with one writer uh, throughout the development process, I made a short, uh, another short film with one of the executive producers, Eva Yates, um, uh, and 
that I think that was part of the process of kind of you know um, knowing that they were in okay hands kind of thing and uh, and uh, and yeah, Eva was with the BBC yes yes she is but she wasn't she wasn't at the time but right. but, but then uh, yeah then um, then it, then it started uh, then BBC films came on board yeah exactly um, so BBC fil- films came on board continued the development process. Um, it was a long process because it's kind of a complicated film dealing, trying to deal with complicated, somewhat abstract themes. So to try and harness those into something that felt tangible and a, and a kind of script that, that people could read and understand what it was trying to do was, was a bit of a process, inevitably. So, you know, it was a, um, it was a journey and uh, Closer to closer to in during the later stages of development, BFI came on board, so it was in t- nearly entirely publicly funded, um, and uh, protagonist who are a sale, who are the sales agent um, gave a sales advance as well, um, so that was the kind of package. Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And how long did you shoot for? Uh, so we shot for uh, five weeks. Right. Yeah, five weeks in a day or something like that. In the, all in London. Yeah. All in London. Uh, well, yeah, pretty much. All in London. We shot in London Stansted Airport, which isn't technically London, right. and we shot on the outskirts of London. You know, as somewhere further, slightly further away. Right. Doubling up is slightly somewhere further away. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, so when we see Ben working at the start of the film, that's in Stansted, is it? Yeah. I mean, that was like a stroke of kind of producing. Uh, genius, because somehow uh, that was one of my biggest fears that um, the, the lead character works in an airport, and uh, you know, with with kind of first feature budget and uh, security these days, and kind of um, the kind of insecurities that exist around places like that, uh, I, I I never thought we'd be allowed to sh- to shoot in a real airport, and I started thinking, are we ever going to be able to create? Uh, build, you know, in, a, in an environment um, where that will ever feel authentic. You know, we started looking at um, preliminarily looking at um, arenas and things like that. You know, um, that we could potentially get the scale in, but build a small airport set and shoot long lens. Um, and we started kind of f- figuring out ways uh, how we could get around that. But in the end, not only were we allowed access to London Stansted depart um, arrivals terminal where you kind of come in which was a real boost anyway, we were then, we then managed to negotiate, I said we, I had nothing to do with it, but the <laughs> producers uh, uh, managed to negotiate um, shooting in uh, central security, security which is um, central search, they call it, which is the area with the kind of 25 security arches and things. I mean, it, it kind of blows my mind to this day that we, that we managed that because, uh, I mean, they were so incredibly helpful and I think just on a human level, the people that look after kind of media uh, and shooting at Stansted Airport kind of connected with the producers and things, so that was fortunate. But yeah, it still blows my mind because we had access, the entire airport was open, we were given two lanes, the, the other 18 or whatever were running, so we had all this incredible production value of the deep background. I mean, actually when you see the film, we did <laughs> arguably didn't kind of embrace that because it's all so claustrophobic that, you know, we never did the look uh, look we got Stansted Airport shot <laughs> um, but yeah um, it was a serious coup because uh, I mean there are plenty of kind of ambition yeah, 
um, there's many locations in this film a bit like because of what I said about the cast he's constantly moving he's never going back he's always going to the next place kind of thing um, so yeah that was a massive result yeah, absolutely so really getting towards the end of our conversation now but I just want to ask each of you for your thoughts on um, how easy or difficult it is to make movies in your countries with the, the supports Fernanda you've spoken about funding you've spoken about uh, various other opportunities you had but how would you assess working in your countries getting money to make the films for filmmakers who are fairly young in your careers like each of you anybody well I, 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 I'll just carry on and get, get my stuff over with um, <laughs> I uh, I mean I find, I've got to say I find the UK a really warm and nurturing environment to make films um, but that's obviously from the perspective of someone who's had got to make their features you know what I mean so uh, I think it's incredible to have the public system that we have and uh, um, we obviously don't have to, it's a private kind of independent kind of system and so the, I, I guess the downside is there's a very finite number of filmmakers that can be invested in because there are only these public, you know, these funding bodies and there's not a lot of um, uh, private kind of support for that kind mm. of filmmaking. So, so it's very, it's limited, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, so I think that's a shame and you know I think while the UK industry is kind of doing well I think that's largely because of stu studio, more studio franchise kind of things and also because of servicing American productions and things like that so while it's technically doing well and I, and I love the independent film, film that comes out of the UK it, it's, um, it's limit, limited by, you know, by uh, for obvious reasons um, I get the, 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 the benefits of that um, public system is uh, and working with people like BBC Films and BFI is that you are f allowed to take risks and kind of be a little, be that much, be that bit bolder I think with your filmmaking because you know um, profit isn't the be all and end all there so that's a really liberating and kind of luxurious um, position to be in but I think um, yeah the, the sad thing is just how Finite those opportunities are for people at the moment, and it yeah it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry. I just forgot to tell the name of my product, my producer, because oh, he, <laughs> of course, he find the funding, and uh, his name is Zhang Ho, and the name of the company is Bien ou Bien Production. Okay, great. And um, I think today in France we are attending in a real democratization of uh, the cinema. There is. Um, a new generation who is coming in uh, this industry. Um, for example, we have we have Uda Benyamina, who made a beautiful film called Divine. She won the Camerador at Cannes. Uh, I think it was two or three years ago. And uh, uh, largely, uh, Matty Job, for example, uh, a lot of new directors uh, in France. Uh, are rising and this is so important <laughs> to her um, new voices a new story new storytelling and um, we are working on it and hope that this will be just normal all of us want to stay uh, a director from um, diversity but just French directors 
voneinander wie kommen so in in Mexico we are um, despite the problem of distribution I believe we're very fortunate to have public funding and uh, we have different funds and and one of them for Procine in particular which is uh, the first fund we we got for this this film it allows an entire generation of filmmakers to to make a movie without a lot of experience and including producer director uh, dp I, i mean the whole the whole crew so it, there's that and and the tax incentive program that has made the production in mexico to arise from about 40 to 50 films a year we're now producing around 200 so we 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 are lucky, and what I would say to young filmmakers is to to claim the funds yourself. I mean, they're there for all of us, and it's a matter of writing a script and making a budget and writing some texts and and claim them. Yeah, that's right. And we should add that it's Alpha Violet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, international uh, sales. International sales is Alpha Violet, a French uh, sales company, yeah. and our production company is Corpulenta. Um, and and well, we have uh, many co-producers, but that's the main production company. And and my producer and co-writer is Astrid Schonder. Yeah, and in Visar, before we should also mention that it's mm-hmm. the Match Factory that's selling mm-hmm. international mm-hmm. territories on Exil. Mm-hmm. And and how do you assess uh, the support for for filmmakers in Germany today? I mean, it's a, I mean, I I'm talking out of a perspective. I just finish the film so and but we in Germany we have also public funding and um, it's a little bit complicated because usually to to be able to apply for public funding you have to have a TV channel on board and this can make uh, sometimes things quite uh, difficult so the the system how it's organized uh, mostly you need uh, either a very big uh, distribution like Sony or, or Warner or so or like in my case um, you need uh, uh, like VDR or Arte on board in uh, to be able in order to to apply for uh, for the rest of the funding and uh, sometimes um, uh, sometimes the step is very difficult for many of my colleagues so And um, and then there's also uh, another thing. Um, Germany p- produces also like 200 films, I think, and there are many fonts just for first-time or second-time directors, and somehow it's quite difficult for many of them to to keep making films. But now you know to to do a third or fourth film, and now uh, I feel like the whole industry is changing, and we really we had difficulties to find members for for the crew because. Everybody was shooting since Netflix is, is I don't know how many series are are, yeah. are produced each year, and um, so um, with other words, it's my second feature. Um, I was very happy and glad to do this uh, two films. I think uh, the fact that it takes so long it, it it makes it makes things very complicated, also in terms of, of um, you know earning money and, and and being focused on your work, uh, but. Um, I don't know. I I mean, comparing to Kosovo, I think it's it's a very good place. Yeah, good. So, and uh, and and I know that all of your films have just premiered here at Sundance 2020. But mm. can you tell us what you each of you is doing next? Do you, do you know yet? Can you give us a little clue, or is it a is it a top secret? No, it's not, it's not a. <laughs> I don't know how to call it. I'm I uh, um, yeah I'm I'm working or. 
now that I don't know what to do with my life when I'm back and I'm a bit afraid of it because I was really for months uh, each day working also Sundays and so um, as I am I, I, I'm writing a story about a woman who doesn't appear on papers and she has to convince the people that she's alive <laughs> That's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, yeah, this is actually the idea. Mm. <laughs> Trying to tell somebody I'm here. So. Yeah. I, I don't have uh, definitive uh, plans, but I'm quite grateful for that because I guess a bit like Visa, I had um, kind of a uh, nuts year last year. But I went onto the film directly from a, t a TV project and. Uh, not that I'm comparing it at all, but I had a baby as well uh, <laughs> uh, on, the, on the first um, day of pre-production. Um, uh, but you know, incomparable. I was, I wasn't having to do all, all the uh, that work. Um, you didn't have the baby in one hand, and then <laughs> the no, and I wasn't feeding the baby from my uh, <laughs> from, from my body. Um, uh, so very different situation, but yeah. Anyway, it's it, so I'm kind of grateful for to take stock, and uh, I have like a little um, little kernel of a, of a future idea that I want to spend some time with, and uh, had some discussions about some television, interesting television stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm grateful for the pause, I suppose. Fernanda, my Muna, can you share? Yeah, I'm working on my my second feature film. I'm writing now and also another project uh, which is an anthology uh, with a four fiction and uh, I'm taking care about my baby of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I mean since I work with with Astrid and we're both directors and, and producers now we're making Astrid's film we were fortunate that it was selected last year for the Sundance script lab that's held in Mexico for Latin America and we are financing it. Actually, Astrid Tumor is going back to Mexico to, to meet uh, potential partners. So uh, we expect to shoot at the end of this year, hopefully. And um, I'm, also, I'm also writing, but now we're concentrating on, on Astrid's film, which is more hopeful also about um, a little bit about violence in Mexico. I like to say it's a love letter for a boy that uh, overcomes his destiny. Well, we wish you all the best for that. Fernanda, Maimuna, Anil Vizar, thank you very much for talking thank about you. your films. And thanks for the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our special guests, Maimuna Ducouré, Fernanda Baladez, Vizar Morina, and Anil Karia. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the podcast from the United States. Head over to screendaily.com for more podcasts. That's it from us for today. We'll see you soon.